I'm Patrick Pelzel with Pelzel Harvesting Inc. in St. Lawrence, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you joined us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, this cold weather has brought some cold rain, ice, and snow with it to many areas of the state, but when it comes to precipitation, it really won't be enough to put a dent in the drought that we're experiencing right now. And on that note, cattle producers need to have a plan just in case this drought lingers into the summer. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, we've had some wild extremes in our weather lately. And that can be pretty hard for cattle. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The outlook for most of the Texas winter wheat crop is bleak. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, I'll have comments from a Rolling Plains farmer whose crop has been devastated by drought conditions. Sandbur or grassbur is a grass weed that is very troublesome in pastures and hay meadows throughout Texas. We will learn more about this weed coming up. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We're getting more precipitation across many areas of Texas this week, but it won't be enough to put a dent in what has become a very serious drought. Cattle producers should have a plan for dealing with drought conditions if they continue into the spring and summer. That's according to Oklahoma State University livestock economist Daryl Peel. It's not too early for producers to begin thinking about how are you going to deal with this situation if that worst case scenario comes about. You know, we certainly aren't predicting that at this point. We certainly hope that doesn't happen. But I think it's not too early to, to go ahead and inventory your resources in terms of hay stocks, you know, potentially any, uh, any standing forage you might have available. Look at your cow herd situation. Start making a list of the order in which you would have to make decisions in terms of uh, culling kinds of things, uh, if, if that should happen. Those are very uh, emotional and tough decisions, and it helps a lot to have a plan in place to help guide you and sort of keep you uh, making decisions in a timely fashion if we get into those situations where we have to do some very painful kinds of management adjustments. Peel says we're looking at a situation where nearly half the nation's cattle-producing areas are dealing with some form of drought. And speaking of drought, the weekly USDA wheat crop ratings are out for Texas, and they're not getting any better. In fact, they're getting worse. The latest Texas wheat crop ratings shape up like this. 10% of the crop rated good, 18% rated fair, 
And 72% of the wheat crop now rated poor to very poor. We see similar conditions when it comes to range and pasture ratings. 7% of the range and pastures rated in the good to excellent category. 20% rated fair. And 73% rated poor to very poor. There's a little better situation when we look at oat ratings. 11% of the oats rated good, 28% fair, and 61% of the oats rated poor to very poor. The escalating conflict between Russia and the Ukraine is sending grain prices sharply higher this week, with the wheat market topping $9 a bushel. These type of outside factors have a big effect on all of the commodity markets, including cotton. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says inflation is another outside factor affecting the market. It plays into it in a couple different ways. Just the expectation that we're in an inflation wave, that we're in a commodity super cycle, to borrow a trader phrase, that in itself will get... Uh, commodity traders, speculators, people that in, invest money, make bets in the futures market, they'll be buying cotton futures just based on that and the weather reports. It, it kind of feeds that speculative demand. Robinson says cotton, corn, and wheat all look to be profitable crops to grow this year despite the sharp rise in input costs. In the Texas High Plains, we've had some wild extremes in the weather lately, and that can be hard on cattle. James Hunt has more from the Panhandle. We've had a lot of wild swings in our temperatures this month in the Texas High Plains, and this week has been especially extreme as we came off a pretty warm weekend and abruptly entered a period of very cold temperatures. Dr. Jesse Monday of the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab in Canyon says dealing with such dramatic weather changes is really difficult for cattle. So here's some things to watch for. The biggest thing when you have challenging weather back and forth is make sure that they have a good access to protein, that they have a good energy source. Make sure that you're giving them the best care that they can have so that they can adjust themselves. But watch for signs that they have respiratory issues. Watch for signs of diarrhea and consult your veterinarian if you see things like that, especially with the younger animals. If you see them down, not getting up, or they look like they're struggling, maybe don't give them another day or so to see if they come out of it. Intervene or assess more closely one-on-one to make sure that animal can get up, that the blood sugar is not too low, or that it doesn't have something going on that's causing its behavior to not be what it usually is. So paying extra close attention right now to cows that aren't coming up when they usually do or aren't being around the water when everyone else is, is something you should definitely be looking for. And I would just encourage during these very challenging weather patterns that you intervene early and don't take chances, get your veterinarian out there to help you assess your cattle if you do see abnormal behaviors. And with calving season underway, Dr. Monday says extra care for mama cows and their new offspring is critical. So some helpful advice on handling this kind of situation. But as Dr. Monday pointed out during our interview, our area has a lot of experienced cattle raisers who know how to take care of their animals. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. As we mentioned earlier, the latest Texas winter wheat crop ratings are out and they do not look good. Tom Nicoletti checks in with one wheat grower just to see how bad the crop looks in north central Texas. According to U.S. Department of Agriculture's Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report for winter wheat, the conditions are not very good. 52% very poor, 20 poor. 18% of the crop is uh, rated fair, and only 10% is rated good. To talk more about the winter wheat situation, we go up to the rolling plains of Texas. Shane Harris is my guest. He is uh, 
a uh, wheat producer and cow-calf producer in Childress, in Childress County. And Shane, uh, what can you tell us about the winter wheat in your county at this point? In southern southern and southeastern Childress County, probably 98 to 99% of our wheat crop is non-existent. According to the Texas Drought Monitor, the drought uh, severity in your region is extreme. So certainly uh, with uh, that much uh, of the wheat not even uh, coming up uh, in the fields, uh, you folks are, are not going to have a wheat crop this year? No, sir. Not at all. Grazing was non-existent in, in my area. So we probably won't have harvesters coming in from Kansas. So what uh, are producers doing in the meantime as they uh, have no winter wheat crop and the grazing conditions are very, very poor or non-existent? What, what's the mood of farmers and ranchers out there? The outlook's pretty bleak. There's not a lot of optimism looking forward. And wheat seed is going to be a high-priced commodity come fall. How long ago did you plant your winter wheat? Uh, our final planting date was November. And did you see any growth at all from November until uh, the present time? No, sir. That is Shane Harris, a winter wheat and cow-calf producer from Childress County on the Rolling Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sandburrs can cause a lot of trouble in Texas pastures and hay meadows. Texas A&M Forage Specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says the time to start controlling sandburrs is right now. Sandburrs effectively compete with more desirable forage species for sunlight, moisture, and soil nutrients. The best weed management program is one of prevention. Most sandburrs are easily recognized in the mature stage of growth when the burr seed heads become apparent. The burr itself is a capsule that usually contains from one to three seeds. We tend to think of the sandburr species as a warm season annual plant. However, many sandburrs are classified as perennials because they can survive from one year to the next. The presence of sandburrs can be an indication of a weak stand of forage. Sandburrs are more tolerant of acidic, low fertility soils than many of our warm season forages. One of the best cultural control measures is to maintain a healthy stand of forage with proper management. Sandburrs can emerge throughout the spring and summer, and a flush of sandburrs can often occur after a rain in late summer, early fall. Identifying sandburrs is key to chemical control. Unfortunately, most cannot identify sandburr until it has produced the burr seed head. Check with your local county extension agent for identification guidelines. There are several herbicide products labeled for sandburr control in pastures and hay meadows. As with any herbicide application timing is critical, along with following label directions. There are pre-emergent products labeled for Bermuda grass pastures and hay meadows. Check the labels of those products for timing recommendations. Ideally, for control with a post-emergent product, sandburrs need to be sprayed when plants are less than three inches in height in the late spring, early summer. Unfortunately for Bahia grass growers, there are no selective herbicides available for post-emergent control of sandburrs. For herbicide recommendations, refer to your local county extension agent. Strict adherence to label directions is required by law. Paying close attention to label directions will also ensure safe, effective, and economical use. Herbicide labels contain directions for proper rate and timing of application a list of susceptible species, and information regarding cleanup and disposal following use. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. 
The Ranching and Wildlife Expo is returning to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Monday. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's not uncommon for dogs to develop lesions on their ears. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on texasfarmbureau.org. That's texasfarmbureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's not uncommon for dogs to develop lesions on the tips of their ears, and Dr. Bob Judd says that can be difficult to treat. The first condition to be concerned about if your dog has lesions on the ear tips and is scratching the ear is scabies. Scabies is caused by a mite and is contagious from dog to dog, dogs to other animals, and even contagious to people. Your vet can perform a skin scraping to diagnose the disease, and the easiest treatment is with products like Brevecto or NexGuard, labeled to kill ticks and fleas, but is also effective against these mites. A serious condition that affects the tips of the ears is a disease called vasculitis, and this is a condition due to inflammation of the blood vessels in the ear, which prevents oxygen from getting to the tips of the ears. And the ear tips basically die. The ear tips will lose hair and will ulcerate, and a portion of the skin will slough off, leaving a raw, bleeding edge of the ear. This can be due to a drug reaction or vaccine reaction, food hypersensitivity, or insect bites. But many cases are due to an unknown cause. So if you look at your pet's ear tip and it appears some of the tissue is no longer present, vasculitis is likely the issue. Treatment is difficult, as some dogs will respond to cortisone medications both orally and topically. Others will respond to a drug called pentoxifylline, which allows more red blood cells to get to the ear tips. Also, there is a disease called ear margin seborrhea that is common in dachshunds, but can occur in other breeds as well. The disease is not curable, but is controllable by using cortisone and omega-3 fatty acids topically after removing the excessive scales on the ear tips. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Ranching and Wildlife Expo is returning to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo this Monday. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo officially opens its gates on Monday. And one event that may interest those involved in hunting, fishing, camping, and ranching is the annual Ranching and Wildlife Expo. The expo kicks off Monday and will run through March 5th. Kyle Walker, Livestock Show Coordinator, says the event will include wildlife exhibits, seminars, and auctions. The auctions will include hunting and fishing trips, as well as other outdoor opportunities. 
We have a wild game lunch ahead of the auction for the buyers that come in. We feed them lunch around noon, and then the live auction starts at 1. The silent and big board auctions are actually open all week. They'll be available throughout the week at the expo, and then we've moved those items over into the auction room during the live auction. The silent for sure this year will be mobile bidding, so people will actually be able to get on their phone from anywhere or on the, online and, and bid from those items in the silent. Walker says there will also be competitions. 4-H and FFA students from across the state submit poster boards. We've already judged the poster boards for the preliminaries. And then on Saturday during the expo, we actually have the finals presentations. Each of the finalists will get up and present their poster to a panel of judges. And then we will name the winners for that competition. They give away prize money and some plaques and different things. The champions, I believe, walk away with a lifetime hunting license. That's a pretty cool prize. And then in addition to the poster boards, we also have a video competition we're in the middle of judging those videos right now, and then we'll announce the winners of that competition at the same time as we do the poster board winners. Additional details are at rodeohouston.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has had a big effect on our agricultural markets. We'll take a look back at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is National FFA Week, and FFA students across the country are celebrating. I'm National FFA Southern Region Vice President Eric Robinson from the state of Georgia. Many special activities are happening in FFA communities this week, but all year long, FFA members experience education, leadership, service, and personal and professional development as FFA feeds our intellectual growth and curiosity. Celebrate with us and share your FFA stories during Hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The Russian invasion of Ukraine dominated the markets on Thursday with grain prices moving sharply higher. That in turn caused livestock prices to drop sharply lower. February live cattle dropped 252 to close at 140.52, the April down 245 at 142.30. June live cattle down 252 at 138.60. Even bigger drop in the feeder cattle market. March feeders down 367 to close at 159.10. April feeders down 447 at 163.80. While May feeder cattle were down 395, 169.72. Cash fed cattle market seeing some light trades so far this week at 142 on a live basis. Up north, dress cattle selling for 227. We had the online fed cattle exchange held again on Thursday. No cattle sold on the exchange. Boxed beef was lower Thursday. Choice down 12 cents at 260.76. Select down 348 at 255.48. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Old Doug Bass from Cattleman's Brenham sells them every Friday. He sold them last Friday. Let's go to Doug and see how that sale turned out. Doug, what'd you think, son? That's a good sale, Mr. Larry. I uh, had 697 head of cattle at a dang good market. That market just seems like it keeps getting a little stronger every week. Good, let's walk the pins. Yes, yeah, so on your weighing cows, your thinner, lower yielding cows bring 25 to 68. Better high yielding cows bring 70 to 92. 
Center low yielding bulls bring 65 to 85. Better bulls bring 90 to $1.15. Fair cows had a few pairs. Pairs bring more from 1000 to 1450 Red cows bring anywhere from 800 to 1250 Cow market was dang sure good. Uh, two to three weight steers bring 141 to 241 Heifers bring 135 to 190 Three to four weight steers bring 138 to 220 Heifers bring 130 to 195 Four to five weight steers bring 130 to 225 Heifers bring 125 to 179 Five to six weight steers bring 10. Heifers bring 123 to 177. Six to seven weight steers bring 120 to 169. Heifers bring 115 to 154. Seven to eight weight steers bring 115 to 157. Heifers bring 112 to 137. And 800 to 1,000 pound steers of bullier bring 105 to 126. And the heiferettes bring a dollar to 111. What do you know for this week's sale, Doug? You know, uh, we're guiding some cattle. We're going to have a few cattle yesterday. I, I think the weather's probably going to get us at the end of the week. Sounds like we're going to get some rain and nasty weather, but. Uh, I'm still looking for a good sale. Yes, sir. Tell everybody how to contact you. Yes, sir. Uh, you can call me on my cell, which is 979-877-4454, or call Sarah Dawes, which is 979-836-3621. We appreciate you, Doug Bass. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Miss Larry. Have a good one. Texas neighbors, thank you, too, for listening to Walk in the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Me, I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. We'll see you back tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where hogs close sharply lower on Thursday. April lean hogs down 250 to finish at 105.52. May hogs down 252, closing at 110.12. Class 3 milk was higher. Nearby February milk up 6 cents at 20.95 a hundredweight. March milk up 44, 22.46. The cotton market saw a lot of volatility thanks to the Russia invasion of Ukraine. We saw cotton prices trade anywhere from 2 cents higher to 2 cents lower. So a very volatile trading day, but we ended up mixed with March cotton up 19 points, 122.59. December cotton down 121 points, 101.27. Same story in the corn market, very volatile trade. It was limit up in the overnight trade, but as we got into the Thursday daytime trading session, things got a bit mixed. The corn market pulled back a bit. We ended up closing higher on the old crop contracts, lower on the deferreds, March corn. Up 11 and a quarter, 6.95 a bushel, while new crop September corn was down 8 cents, 6.20 and 3 quarters. Not the case in the wheat market, however. Wheat held on to the big gains. We were sharply higher in both hard and soft wheat. July Kansas City wheat up 40 cents to close at 9.56 and a quarter, while July Chicago wheat was up 46 and a quarter, closing at 9.25 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas was up 4 cents at 4.66. April crude oil up $1.27, 93.37 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 182 points, 32,948. The NASDAQ up 275, 13,313. The S&P up 21 points at 4,247. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.